I'm Brenna, a certified sex expert and sex coach who is passionate about human sexuality, female empowerment, and helping people develop the sex life of their dreams. I'm Brian, certified relationship coach, eager to share my unique relationship experiences along with a rich history of sexuality to coach you through your personal journey. And you're listening to Sex on Your Terms. As people who have been in the lifestyle for years now, it's often interesting to look back at the beginning of our journey. The things that we deemed most important, our priorities in our lifestyle experiences, have changed so drastically for us to where we are now. We're going to discuss that evolution for us personally in the hopes that maybe it'll spur some conversation between you and your partner or partners as well. Before we get to that, we need to say a very big thank you to our partners, altplayground.net. If you are looking for a non-monogamous adventure or to learn more about the non-monogamous lifestyle, altplayground.net is the perfect place to go. They have an incredibly modern interface, making it easier than ever to connect with like-minded people. And there are so many pieces of exclusive content found at altplayground.net that will enrich your lifestyle experience as well. So head on over to altplayground.net today and come say hello to us when you get there. So sex in the news is something that I am very passionate about, as I know you are as well, Brian. I know that you have a lot of experience in this particular topic, and it's something that as content creators, adult content creators ourselves, is, uh, you know, worrisome. So we're going to discuss that for our sex in the news today. Yeah, this is not a new topic. It's getting worse, for sure, but it's not new. I've dealt with this for for many years in my past as an adult club operator and owner. And uh, it's unfortunately something that the sex positive space is really now starting to be affected by drastically. Significantly impacted by. I think they've been impacted for a while. But this new piece of information that came out this week I think put a lot of people on edge, us included. So MasterCard, Visa, and Discover cut ties this week with Pornhub. For those of you who have been living under a rock, Pornhub is the largest porn site in the entire world. All three of the companies did investigations into the content that is put up on Pornhub and found evidence of child abuse and revenge porn on the site, which of course is a horrible thing. Anything that's non-consensual or that is illegal shouldn't be going up on the site. So I get why investigations were done, but basically what happened was as soon as they found evidence, they immediately cut ties. And as a result of that, hundreds of thousands of sex workers and adult performers lost their income streams because on Pornhub, you have the ability to put up content that people can then pay for. So it's it's caused a huge problem, financial problem for sex workers as a result of this. And I think it also has pretty far-reaching ramifications, which we will discuss. Yeah, you're, you're now going to be affected. Your, your, your cam models are going to be affected. Anyone in the sex positivity space or anyone that these institutions deem adult-oriented, uh, as I said, I dealt with it in the adult club industry for 30 years, having to change credit card processors. Actually, I find it interesting that Amex isn't jumping on board at this point because they were notoriously the worst to deal with in my industry. Very, very difficult. The hoops that had to be gone through to to do business with them in an adult entertainment establishment was, was quite something. So it, I'm, I'm surprised they weren't the first ones to jump on board. So in my opinion, there are two villains in this story, okay? The first is Pornhub itself. Pornhub before this week had no verification process whatsoever. So in other words, 
literally anyone could upload their content to Pornhub without any sort of safety protocols in place, any sort of firewalls. That's a huge problem. And obviously a responsibility that Pornhub had that they just completely let fall through the cracks. And what I found most interesting about the things I've been reading is that porn performers and groups that have gotten together have been going to Pornhub for over a decade now to tell them, hey, this is an issue. We need to protect our livelihoods and make sure that the content that is being uploaded to the site is legitimate and legal. Otherwise, it could harm us, which of course now it is. So Pornhub has completely bucked all responsibility up to this point and is hugely responsible for not only illegal content being uploaded, but also now thousands, hundreds of thousands of people losing their income. The second villain of this is these credit card companies. And the main reason is this. We obviously understand that things like child porn, revenge porn, anything that's non-consensual, that's an issue and it shouldn't be there. But the fact that they immediately cut ties with Pornhub when a site like Facebook had over 800,000 allegations of child pornography and revenge porn within the last year, according to certain sources. And they have not cut ties with Facebook. They are still very much allowing Facebook to, uh, for example, if you are a business and you want to put an ad up on Facebook, you can use a MasterCard, you can use a Visa, and you can use a Discover card. But the fact that it's Pornhub, and of course it's a sex-based website, they are immediately freaking out and cutting all ties and, and being done with it. Well, it's easy. They're an easy target, right? It's adult-oriented. It's porn hub. It's sexually oriented, sexually based. It's just an easy target. Let's not forget the third criminal in all of this who are really responsible. It's these sick, twisted people that are putting this information up on the internet to begin with. You know, if you're putting up revenge porn or child porn of some kind, there's a special place in hell for you. It's just waiting for you. So those are the people that are really responsible, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, God, that's so horrible. And and like I said, I'm glad that investigations were done because actually what happened now is Pornhub has removed content from unverified accounts. There were, of course, larger porn performers and larger companies that had verified accounts through Pornhub who still have their content up. But anyone who had an unverified account, it's been taken away, which there is some validity in that. I understand that. There needs to be some fail-safes in place to make sure that these things aren't happening. But the fact that we got all the way here, the fact that it got this bad before we sat up and took notice, that is such a problem. This was totally avoidable. Obviously, it was a complete misstep on Pornhub's part. They've been operating since 2007, and they've been running roughshod this entire time. They've gotten away with it, so I'm sure it was a complacency thing like ah you know we've we've been doing it this long nothing's going to happen to us well surprise it did and you took a whole lot of people down with you so yeah shame on them for not doing the right thing and not doing the due diligence well they have a moral responsibility to do their due diligence and what you and i've been talking a lot about lately is i think that this is a much bigger issue than just Pornhub. sure it is i think that this is now because Pornhub is so big and because this is so in the spotlight right now and everyone's talking about it i think Truly, it's only a matter of time until you start seeing these credit card companies dropping other sex-related businesses. Cam sites, OnlyFans, which is now a huge part of your and my income. Yes. Those things could very easily be impacted next. Now, granted, OnlyFans 
does a very extensive verification process. They do. And I'm very proud that they do that. It makes me feel safe. And it also, should you want to subscribe to something on OnlyFans, should give you a little peace of mind that you're seeing legitimate and legal content. But I mean, there's nothing to say that these companies can't continue on down this path of just steamrolling over sex positive businesses. And it's something that we should all really sit up and take notice of, whether you have an OnlyFans or not, whether you're a cam model or not. The fact that we could now very easily be under attack as a sex positive community, we really got to be diligent in understanding this and doing what we can to combat it. Well, this is a slippery slope. What this isn't the, this isn't the last of, that we're going to hear about this. What's to stop credit card companies from allowing you to purchase lingerie online or to go to one of the novelty, you know, sex adult novelty stores online and buying a vibrator? Well, it's already very difficult for yeah. sex toy companies to find credit card processors. Yeah, we know that. So for sure, it's this is I don't want to say the tip of the iceberg because this has been going on, as I said, for a long time. The sex industry has been under siege for a long time. Long before the internet, I dealt with credit card companies and processors who didn't want to deal with us. So this is just the beginning. I think we're going to see a lot more of this, unfortunately. Yeah, and I would implore you guys, read up on this issue. I didn't specifically present an article this week because there are thousands of them out there covering this. Also, don't pay attention to the headlines. Actually read the articles and understand the issues that are at play here. Because of of course, clickbait is a real thing. They want you to click on them. And when you are just paying attention to the headlines, it can be spun in a million different ways. So really, truly read up on this and get involved if you can. Uh, I'll try to put some links in the show notes for you guys of some organizations that are really working for sex workers right now, advocating for sex workers. Yeah, absolutely. There's a you know, there's, as I said, this is not the end of it, but fortunately there are a lot of folks out there who are fighting against it and with just what we can, we can do what we can do and we have to make sure we do that. Yeah, absolutely. So on to something slightly more fun than, you know, all sex workers having to worry about their income. <laughs> Again, <laughs> Again, still. As usual. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to our topic for today, which is priorities and understanding the evolution within yourself and how you then correspond with people in the lifestyle or in non-monogamy in general and how far we personally have come on that journey. Yeah, it's been over three years now for us. And, and when we started to, to look back at what our priorities were in the beginning in terms of play partners and then what are conceptually what we thought about the idea of us even being involved in with long-term play partners, not to mention polyamory, and then you look at where we are now, it, it's a night and day. Yeah, absolutely. So when I think back to the very beginning of our non-monogamous journey, for those of you who have listened to our other show from Porch Swingers, you probably already know this, but we started out pretty much exclusively as a hot wife couple. And it was really interesting because you were the one doing the vast majority of the vetting. You were the one seeking these guys out and really deciding who, you were the gatekeeper, who got access to me. And we talked often about the things that we in the beginning deemed really important with those single guys. And the biggest one was physicality. Well, yeah, it was. But let's also say that in the beginning, as you mentioned, I did all the vetting. I was really the one doing all the communicating uh, in those days, digitally especially. So those that has completely changed. You basically do all the digital communication, even for me, on my own private profiles. Yeah. So th all of that has changed, absolutely. And yes, in the beginning, I think like a lot of people, we were looking for the one-offs. This was not going to be something where you were going to see the same guy more than once. It was for the, you know, it was the sheer excitement of it and the novelty of it. And 
so we were looking, I was looking for the things I thought that made the most sense given what we were really into at that time. And most of it was the physical. So looking for the guys that were the most attractive, the well, most well-dressed, well put together. And then of course, as I'm communicating with them, the, you know, they had the right verbiage, they could communicate well, their hygiene was spot on and, you know, all those kinds of things. But, yeah, the but truth those is, were secondary to, is this somebody that you think I am going to want to have sex with based on their attractiveness? Yeah. The truth is their being attractive on a certain level was the most important thing to me. So in terms of what I thought you were going to find attractive. Was that because you thought that having sex with someone uber attractive would somehow make it more pleasurable for me? Well, the idea of you having sex with someone that you didn't find attractive didn't make any sense to me. Right. But I'm saying I didn't necessarily need a GQ model, which you did find the first time to be completely fair. A couple of times, actually. (laughs) But yeah, well, I thought to myself, of course, I'm 50, you're 30. And most folks listening already know that we have a 20-year age gap. So for me, I thought, well, what are the things that I would think that you would be most interested in given, you know, it's already you and I, right? You've, you've got what you have in me. So why would I find or try to find the same characteristics? I wasn't necessarily looking for someone my age. I was looking for someone younger, someone as attractive as I could find in really good shape. And, you know, that, that made some sense in terms of you having some variety, and in doing so, I managed to find some really good-looking guys, and it, all of that worked out very well. But as we'll talk about, those things change. Those priorities change as you as you move forward in this lifestyle. At least they did for us. So I have a question for you then, okay. something that we've never discussed. Was there more pleasure in it for you if I was with someone uber-attractive in the beginning? Only in that you found them uber-attractive because your level of excitement and eagerness to play with these guys and just have a good time in general was what drove me. So if you weren't thoroughly enjoying the experience, you and I wouldn't enjoy the experience afterwards, which is what this is all about for us. It's that reconnection. Sure. And if that wasn't part of it, what would be the point? Yeah, absolutely. And of course, we have learned since then that the level of attractiveness is probably not even top five priority, which again speaks to the evolution. I do want to talk a little bit about couples in the beginning, because as mentioned, I think my first what four or five experiences four. were with single men before we finally engaged with a couple. Yeah. And the couple that we were first with, the woman was stunningly beautiful. Still to this day, probably one of the most attractive women we've encountered in the lifestyle. The man was not necessarily. No, they were both, again, age gap couple. He Very distinguished. I found him to be very distinguished, very well put together. Uh, certainly a gentleman and handsome in his own way, for sure. But if you're going to compare him to, say, Cooper, we refer to him as Cooper, the first guy that you were actually with, you know, again, night and day. Right. But I think my point is that first experience with that couple, now granted, not perfect. There were things that definitely fell through the cracks with that interaction. But when it actually came down to our first swinging experience with them, it was amazing. They I, were, I, don't, yeah, I don't think it could have been any better. They were so thoughtful. They were so willing to go with the flow, go at our pace. They were just very conscientious people. We had a great time. The four of us were laughing the whole time. And I think looking back, that should have been our first indication that the level of attractiveness is not the most important thing. Granted, she was beautiful, yeah. but I had been with far more attractive men before that, and it didn't didn't even factor into the play for me. Well, you were also with more attractive men and had less 
enjoyment, gotten less enjoyment out of it. Far less pleasure. So that was that should have been a, a really good indicator for sure. But I think also with it being our first couple interaction, we were already kind of, you know, it was the ether hadn't worn off from the excitement of it. So that we, that didn't really become something that we thought about for, for quite some time, I don't think. It was a while. I'm just saying, looking back, that should have been the first like, oh, maybe this is something to think about. Yeah, in hindsight, for sure. But we didn't have it. So. <laughs> Dang it. Wouldn't it be nice if you could just like have that knowledge in the moment in the lifestyle it would save yeah. us in so many instances? Well, unfortunately, you just get it's almost like a high, right? You get so excited about the opportunities that are before you. Those things just elude you. The, the, the most obvious things elude you, you know. But now, of course, we're f- far more in tune and in touch with those things. It, it's a very different place that we find ourselves. So I think the first part of this evolution for us was both starting to engage with couples and then also realizing that the one-offs weren't really doing it for us. No. I wanted a long-term play partner, and that's something that we talked many times about working toward. And I think the reason for that was twofold. One, because I realized that the connection, when the connection was there and it was electric and it built up over time, it was so much better than these random encounters. But the other part of it is we really did start to develop friendships in the lifestyle. First with couples and really getting to know them and understanding them on a vanilla level and a sexual level. And those two worlds kind of colliding and how great that was for us. So then the question became, well, why can't we do that same thing with single people? Well, it was a period of time that went by because initially our whole concept was as it pertained to single people, it was simply going to be one-offs. We didn't want to be friends. We didn't want to hang out. We didn't want to get to know them. But when it was came to the couples, that was absolutely a priority. We have to be friends with them. We have to genuinely like them. We have to be able to hang out with them, you know, during vanilla times. So it was very different. And now, I mean, you find, I find it interesting because most of our really close friends in the lifestyle are single people. We have some couple friends for sure, some great ones, but most of them are single people. And it wasn't for a while until you decided that you thought a regular playmate would be a great idea that we even started to consider it. And now that you think about it, the digital communication was something I was doing the entire time with the single guys. So you never even had a chance to really kind of build a rapport digitally or flirt or anything with any of those guys prior. It was me communicating with them. I would pass on the information to you. We would meet them together you would decide at that point whether you were interested and that was the end of it. And then likely we never saw them again. Right. So that whole, the whole piece of you getting to know them, even on a digital level, simply ceased to exist. Right. And that really changed when we started to look for a long-term play partner for me. Well, what opened up was you started to look. Yes. You were starting to communicate. Now we would still vet Together, we would be together when we first met them, but you started to communicate on your own with these guys, which made it much more personal and intimate for you. Well, and also, you know me very, very well, but I had certain priorities going into it, especially if it was going to be someone that I was going to spend a significant amount of time with that I don't think you, you're not a mind reader. You didn't necessarily know that these things were priorities for me. So as I look at that period in our lifestyle journey, I think of how much I wanted to find someone, for example, to explore kink with. I was on our BDSM site 
for the vast majority of the time, that's where I was meeting people. And that was great because I immediately felt a certain level of camaraderie with them because we had some of the same interests when it came to sex. And I also trusted far more their ability to, for example, respect consent and have very cogent, thoughtful conversations about boundaries and wants and needs. So that those things became more of a priority than the physicalities. Now, granted, the first few people that I played with that I thought could potentially be long-term play partners were very attractive. Right. But they were also attractive in a different way. Another thing that I think kind of shifted during that time is I started playing with significantly older men. You did. Well, that's your preference, fortunately for me. And that's the, the kind of the dichotomy because what I was looking for for you were younger guys, more yeah. clo- closer to your age. So that was something that was a little bit different. But as you started to do your own research and start uh, communicating with these guys yourself, you ended up kind of leaning toward the guys that were slightly older, at least 10 years your senior. Right. And once again, it was because for my priorities, I wanted someone who had their stuff together. I did not want to have to teach them anything. I didn't want to have to worry about any sort of weird mishap happening or them being super unconfident, which had happened a couple of times with the younger guys. There's just something very refreshing to me about an older man. And it was so funny because of course, at this point I'm in love with you and I know that you're my life partner, but I'm also realizing that it's, that I have a certain level of attractiveness to older men. So my personal desires for physicality even changed. The priorities there even changed. It no longer became about tall, lean basketball player looking men, it became much more distinguished, well put together older men. Yeah. And that's, again, it's, it's a, it's something that's taken place throughout the the time that we've been in this lifestyle. It's just part of the evolution of the journey. What you find, what you now find attractive is different from what you found attractive before. And for me too, I, there are certain characteristics I look for now. So fairly soon after I found the person that is now my long-term play partner, And I really started to realize how much I needed that connection and needed that trust to be built up. Once again, that's where my priorities were lying. You and I met and had our first successful situation with a female play partner. Yeah. Who has now become another one of our long-term playmates. Yeah, exactly. So I'm curious from your perspective, with that first successful long-term female play partner, what were some of the qualities that she had that drew you to her? Well, first of all, she is very much built like you are. So physically, you guys are very similar. So that was easy for me. I was attracted to her from that perspective right away. She's also very versed in BDSM and in kink. She's she's very uh, educated as it pertains to those subjects. So that was an easy fit for us. But I think more than anything is her personality. She's just so easy to get along with. And she's just as much fun to have dinner with as she is in the bedroom. And that's a big deal for us. The, the ability to just have a conversation with somebody is important, particularly before you get into the bedroom. It changes everything. At least it does for me. I know a lot of people don't necessarily care. For me, it, it matters. That connection makes a difference. Yeah. And once again, another evolution. We became so much more interested in what people had to bring to the table outside of the bedroom. It was almost as if sex became secondary, or we knew at least, I should say, that sex, good sex, would follow if we had a true connection with them, if we could sit and talk with them, if we felt comfortable in their presence with clothes on. And also, I think this is the period of time that we both started to realize and started talking a lot about our attraction to people who bring intellect to the table. Yeah, we have had over the course of time, we've had sex with folks that we enjoyed in the moment, 
but not necessarily would want to hang out with afterwards. Right. We don't want to talk to them. We just want to have sex with them. Yeah. And that, that was something that happened a lot, you know, early on, obviously. And now I look at it very differently when we are, especially like, you know, with our, with the gal that you're referring to or one of our long-term play partners, you know, when I think back to when we started chatting with her, you know, we could have, we could have made some mistakes. We had a pretty bad first uh, interaction with a single gal. And because of that you're interaction. You're saying pretty bad. It was a train It was wreck. a train wreck. And because of that, I was very put off at the idea. And it was months and months and months until we actually met our long-term friend. And I was... I wasn't really excited about it when you originally brought the idea to me. So it took me a while to warm up to it. And now she's just she's just a friend. And the idea that we were able to get to that point, and I'm just as happy to see her to have a drink or have brunch or whatever as I am to play with her, it says a lot about how far we've come. Because as I said, we've played with couples and we wouldn't necessarily want to hang out with them. We just played with them. Right. It's very different. Absolutely. So then the question becomes, as we look to the future with play partners, not with anyone that we are romantically interested in, but with play partners, are there certain priorities that you think you would place on on future interactions now that you have the experience that we have? Yeah, I think, well, again, we've talked about this before. There has to be, you have to be compatible, obviously, sexually. If it's a play partner, the sexuality piece is, is you know, it's forefront. It just is what it is. And I think the 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 adventurous side of someone has to come out, the ability to really just laugh and enjoy themselves in the moment, not take it so seriously is a big deal for me. And then, of course, there's a kink component that has to be uh, exposed to some degree, not full-blown high-end protocols or anything like that, but just a an ability and a willingness to want to experience some different things. That's really in a playmate, the, the physical things I'm looking for. At the same time, I still want to know them and like them. Yeah. You know, not like a, a long-term partner necessarily, but certainly I want to like that person and be able to have some conversation with them. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that I have learned just even within the last couple of months, three months maybe, that I did I would not have expected before to say this I, in a play partner even, need some level of like-mindedness about things that don't have to necessarily do with sex. Sure. For example, I went out on a horrible date (laughs) a couple months back, and it became very obvious in the conversation that this gentleman was dealing with some homophobic issues. Yeah, he definitely was. And I could not possibly bring myself to engage sexually with someone who is so far removed from my personal beliefs on that particular topic. It's something I'm passionate about. Obviously, we are both members of the LGBTQ community, and I have wonderful friends that are homosexual. And so the idea of being sexual with someone that is is so on the other end of the spectrum from me is just not something I can wrap my head around. Well, at this point, I don't think it even makes sense for us because, as as I mentioned, when it comes to play partners, as opposed to the long term relationship that maybe we're at this point we're seeking, which we'll get to, I, I have a hard time differentiating the two because now, where where a year ago, if you had said that we were going to venture off into the poly world and that was you know likely where the the culmination of our journey was going to be, neither of us would have believed it. We, matter of fact, were very clear that we didn't think we had the capacity to be polyamorous. We didn't think we were able to have enough of, of love and and caring for someone else because we are so enamored with each other. Well, now when I look at a play partner. I oftentimes think 
that that person could potentially be a long-term play partner. In fact, I'm not sure that I want to play with people who could not potentially be. Now, I say that. However, right now as we speak, I have a long-term play partner. That she, could not be your polyamorous partner. No, she is in an open relationship. She is a couple. She is married, but she's not poly, nor is her partner. So from that perspective, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But at the same time, when I think of her, she is ideally someone who could be a long-term partner for me, should all the stars have aligned. She has those qualities. She has, she has the qualities I would look for, for the most part. So... I don't just think of it in, in, the, in the sense that this is someone I'm with right now. I often am thinking, is this someone that I can potentially spend a lot of my time with? That's really interesting. I think of it completely differently. Really? Yes. So for I have a play partner right now who is also coupled, also yeah. a, a married man in an open relationship. And I adore him as a play partner. I think he is wonderful. We have so much fun together. We've had a blast exploring. He has so many of the characteristics that draw me to him on a sexual level. But I would not date him. Even if circumstances allowed for it. Why is that? Because I don't see him as somebody that interests me romantically. We don't really have anything in common, for example, aside from the sexual aspect. We we have some similar political views, but that's about it. We have none of the same interests. He's incredibly outdoorsy, mountain biking, skiing, all of these things that I literally could care less about. And so from a priority perspective, it's great that we're sexually compatible, but I don't think we'd be compatible in any other way. That's interesting. So like I said, for me, I am I guess it's also because of where we are at this point in our journey, which we probably should talk about. So when it comes to the polyamory, polyamorous component, we never thought we would be at the, in that place. And now at this point, I don't see where we go in any other direction. I know that that's where we end up. You and I will be partnered Either it'll be obviously a triad of some some kind, or we will be individually partnered with someone else. We know that that's going to happen. We're already on that on that road. So for me, I, I guess it's because I'm I'm always thinking that far ahead. Like, is this someone that I could potentially see myself spending time with? I guess that's where that comes from. But again, as I'm saying that, right, I'm thinking about the other person that I'm I'm seeing now, or I have seen a couple of times. He is also married not possible that we would be in a polyamorous relationship. He is not polyamorous. So I guess it's a it, it's a bit of a, a contradiction, I guess. But for me, I'm just always looking for the best possible scenario and looking for the person that could potentially be a long-term partner, which I think I'm going to get a lot more out of in terms of being physical with them. Yeah, I guess I can understand that. It's very similar to us wanting a connection with people or learning early on, I should say, that a connection with people enhances the sex. Basically, what you're saying is if you can see yourself being romantically interested in in them, it can potentially enhance your sexual connection. Well, it does 100%. I mean, the the idea of having a having an intellect, someone someone I can talk to and, and share ideas with someone who's socially the same kind of concepts that we are, I mean, thinks the same way we do from a social aspect. Uh, those things are important. And then, of course, there's the physical. Obviously, you've got to be attracted to them and then have that compatibility in the bedroom. But I'm looking for that. I'm looking to play with the person who fits that bill. And so for me, the one-offs don't work for me. As you know, I'm not, I don't really care for that. So I guess that's partly why I, I think that way. Interesting. Well, I think we should then talk about differences in priorities between play partners and 
polyamorous partners. I know you said for you, a lot of times they go hand in hand. I think for me, I just mentioned a huge difference, which is that I don't necessarily care what my play partners do in their off time. I don't care what their hobbies are, which is very different if it's a polyamorous person. In fact, one of the reasons we've talked about why polyamory might work for us is because we do have some very dissimilar hobbies and we've given a lot of those up to some degree or completely because of this relationship because we don't like to be apart we like to always be with each other and as a result of that for example i haven't done karaoke in three years i haven't line danced in three plus years all of these things that i used to love and that brought light to my life i've kind of put on the back burner to do other things with you which obviously have also brought me a lot of joy but it would be nice to revisit those things with somebody who cares about them equally as much as I do. Yeah. And for me, I think in a, in, in a perfect world, when it comes to a polyamorous relationship, someone that I'm going to spend real time with, as I mentioned to you, we were talking about it earlier. I think that person for me needs to be a drop older because there are some generational differences between you and I. Huge sometimes. <laughs> you weren't, you know, you were born in 1990. Yeah. You know, I had a lot of life before 1990. Yeah. So for me... To be able to talk to and communicate with and enjoy some time with someone who understands more of my generational kind of things, that would be unique and different. So that's something I would probably look for in a, in a long-term partner. And I think that's interesting that you bring that up because we often joke about hating each other's taste in movies, <laughs> sometimes hating each other's taste in music. We agree on some of it, but a lot of it we don't. And those things seem so surface level when you look at a relationship. It's like, well, why should that matter? But I think those things speak to a bigger part of who you are as a person, right? You lived 20 years before I was born. You have so many memories and so many experiences that you had that were important to you or even references you'll bring up something from 1973 whether it's pop culture or something that was going on in the world you know politically any of those types of things i have no idea what you're talking about yeah and i think that there's something to be said for shared memories and shared experiences and having that be something that enriches you it's similar with me as well we've talked about someone being closer to my age as well that i see because For example, in the 90s, you were running strip clubs and working like crazy. You weren't going to movie theaters. You weren't listening to the poppy music that was on the radio. Those are all things that are important to me. Even stupid things like the toys that I grew up with. You have no idea what I'm talking about. No, zero. And those are things that speak to who I am and what has made me who I am now. Yeah, well, and for me, there's a... I guess it's a selfish reason, but I also want you to be with someone younger because I am older than you. And eventually, you know, as as we've talked about, 50 years old right now and 30 years old, not that big a deal. 75 and 55, that's a big deal. And I would like you to, to be able to spend some time with someone closer to your age for that reason, when I'm incapable of doing the things that you want to do. You know, also during the 90s, I was building a career. I wasn't doing any of the things that you were doing. You weren't listening to Britney Spears and the Spice Girls. <laughs> no. So I have very, I barely remember the 90s. It was a long time ago for me. So yeah, the idea that you could actually communicate and talk to people and kind of reminisce with people about things that took place back then when you were kids, that's important. You know, those are things that, that molded you to the person that you are now, much like myself. Talk about a shift of priorities though. Think about 
hey, I want to find the most attractive GQ model looking guy for you versus I want to find someone younger than me that you can enjoy life with when I am older and or gone. Yeah, I remember vetting the very first guy. We referred to him as Cooper because he looked like Bradley Cooper. Very literally looked like Bradley Cooper, only maybe slightly more attractive. <laughs> so I'm, you know, I remember talking to him and he sent me some pictures and I thought, this guy is like, I almost thought I was getting catfish. I just can't be real, right? And as it turns out, he was super good looking, well-dressed, well put together, seriously well-endowed. This guy was, he was a home run. And now when you tell me that you're you're interacting with someone, or oh, hey, I met this guy, we're chatting, I may meet him for a drink or meet him for coffee. It sounds like there may be a connection. I don't even, I never ask you what the guy looks like. Never. I don't even, it's not even a it doesn't even occur to me to ask you what this guy looks like. Right. Right. It, it's just not one of the first questions I ask. What does he do? How old is he? What are your, what is it, are his interests? Do they align with yours? Where did you first communicate with him? Like I never ask what the guy looks like. In fact, I, I still, you have play partners right now. I don't even know what they look like. I couldn't pick them out of a lineup. Yeah. I have no clue. And that's great, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Why does it matter? You know, that's what yeah. I'm saying. You you care so much more about their character and about the ways that they enrich me versus how many abs they have that show or yeah. how tall they are. Yeah, it just doesn't make a difference anymore. So that, I think, as I said, speaks to where we are in this journey. And I don't think it ever ends. I know it doesn't. Based on, on what, we're, what we've accomplished thus far, what lies ahead for us personally, I don't know I don't know where it ends. I just know that we have not come close to seeing the end of it. So what are some of the priorities that you feel are going to dictate your polyamorous journey? Well, you know, we talked about this as well. Is it a, a man? Is it a woman person? I have no idea that from that aspect. So I think the most important things for me, again, is, is like-mindedness. We are compatible in ways that transcend the bedroom. Those are the most important things for me. Intellect. Are we politically aligned? Are we socially aligned? Are we able to communicate and talk about music and history and movies and art and all the things that that matter to me? Someone that is potentially just as eager to spend the day in the gym as they are anywhere else because I'd love to do it. You know, those kinds of things matter to me. Somebody that I can spend as much quality vanilla time with as I can that physical intimate time is the most important thing to me. And I think something else that we haven't discussed in terms of priorities and how they've shifted is when we talk about polyamory and the relationships that we are going to cultivate in the future, one of the priorities we talked about many times privately is how the other person feels about our partner or partners. No question. You and I have got to be on the same page. In other words, if you're seeing someone, I have to like them. Yeah. If I'm seeing someone, you have to like them. Because you cannot hide whether you like someone no. or not. This is not a situation no. where you can just be civil. No. And also, I wouldn't want that for you. I wouldn't want you to have to hang out with someone that you, you know, just tolerated. Well, take it a the, the step further, right? If you're seeing someone that I don't like, you're not going to want to spend time with that person around me because it's going to be uncomfortable, which means I'm not going to see you as much and vice versa. And that is exactly the opposite of what we're trying to achieve here. Well, and then my over overly analytical brain immediately goes to things like your birthday. 
So are you going to spend it with both of us? I would certainly hope so. If you have two serious relationships or multiple serious relationships, you know, your birthday, you don't think it's a big deal. I think it's a big deal and I want to spend it with you every single year. So if you're dating someone or someones that I can't stand, having to sit with them for three hours at a dinner table is going to be hellish. <laughs> well, think about holidays. If you're dating someone, I'm dating someone. Vacations, are you really going to want to go on vacation with someone you absolutely despise? Yeah. Probably not. So yeah, those are things that are, I mean, it's just really important that you and I like the people that we are involved with. That, that's a For me, that's a priority. And we've often talked about this and and we've done it to this point. If there's someone we're seeing that we're going to we think we're going to see on a long-term consistent basis after about the third date or interaction, we introduce them to each other Yep. because we need to get a feel, right? Just because I like somebody doesn't necessarily mean you're going to. And if you don't like them, it can't go any further. It can, it can only go as far as the bedroom. Yeah. Absolutely. Now we've discussed that if we're simply playing with these people, we don't have to be best friends, but if there is going to be a long-term component, absolutely has to be a friendship connection. I have to be able to hang out with whomever you're with and you need to hang out with whoever I'm with and really enjoy their time and their company. Well, and in that way, it really comes down to the same characteristics that we look for in vanilla friendships, for example. Sure. You know, I don't necessarily expect to be sexually involved with the people that you're sexually involved with, but I want to be able to go grab a coffee with them and have it not be awkward. I want them to have qualities like honesty and a good personality, someone that I can look in the eye and feel like they're being genuine. All of those same things that are important to me in every friendship I've had my entire life. Well, also, what about when uh, there's there's strife, right? They need a, someone to talk to. They need a shoulder to lean on. They need to get some, Ooh, some that gets advice. That dicey, though. Then it's like teams start forming and it's a whole thing. I don't know. <laughs> I think that you and I are, are evolved enough that we could speak cogently and honestly to someone about something that's happened. I mean, I know you better than anyone. You know me better than anyone. So if someone, if, if a person that we were, one of us were involved with were, were at odds, I think we could certainly help sort that out, shed some light on it at, at minimum. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, I think that's important. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot that's changed when you think about it, when you think about the priorities that we had and the things that we deemed A1, number one, most important have changed so drastically. I mean, I even think one of the other things that we haven't discussed, but I think is very valid in this discussion is the way that we look at couples. When we first started out with couples, I think we had this understanding this false understanding that if you were going to play with couples it meant that the four of you were going to all play in the same room and you're all going to play on the same bed and that's just how it was going to work and that's how the first I don't even know how many at least five interact well maybe even more how they went and it wasn't until we really started breaking out of our shell and talking to new people and understanding the lifestyle on a deeper level that we went, oh man, it doesn't have to be this way. We can find couples that are compatible with us and that align with our interests. And now we're at the point that unless we have a real four-way connection and we really enjoy them as people, we're probably not going to do same room. We've, no. we've pretty well settled on separate room. And the priority has shifted from let's do what everyone tells you you should do in the lifestyle to let's design our own experiences and find people that make sense 
for us. Yeah, I liken it to training wheels, right? It's the heteronormative couple for heteronormative couple, same room, same bed, lights on. Like that's like, it, for me, that's the beginner's guide at this point based on our journey, certainly. And it's the least fun for me unless it's one of our, we have a couple friends that are amazing that we really enjoy uh, spending time with. But to meet a new couple and to go down that road, it would have to be a very special couple. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, don't, I don't see that for us. Once again, it's just a shifting of priorities and a better understanding of who we are as non-monogamous people that has led to that change. Yeah. And just imagine if we had not made the conscious decision to pivot and to expand our, our uh, the opportunities and the lifestyle and really to be honest with first ourselves and then with each other. You can't truly be honest with anybody if you're not 100% honest with yourself. And for you and I, this lifestyle and, and the opportunities that it's provided us, I think of all of them, not the least of which is being able to be honest with ourselves and then, of course, with each other about our needs and our wants and our dislikes across the board. It's changed everything. Well, and I also think the other thing is to con- – and we've talked about this several times on this podcast at this point, but – to think of it as a journey and that has so much to do with the the things that you're seeking out, right? Those priorities, those characteristics that are most important that you are going out into the world and trying to find. If you assume that they are going to be the same throughout your non-monogamous life, that isn't realistic. And not only that, but I think you'll box yourselves in. I think what you'll do at that point is because you're constantly seeking out the same things, you'll have the same experiences over and over and over again, rather than broadening your horizons and trying to understand both yourself and your relationship on a different level. Well, I think there are there are a fair number of people who really enjoy as you just mentioned, having the same types of experiences over and over and over. That works for them. And that's a lifestyle situation. That's, a, a, I think, a place where couples or individuals find themselves. That's a lifestyle that works for them. The way I see this, I'm not going to speak for you. My view of this is at some point, I'm going to stop referring to this as a journey. I'm going to stop referring to it as a lifestyle. And it's just simply going to be life. It's just our life. And that's just how it's going to be. Because the, at some point, you've got to stop saying lifestyle. Right. Because it's really it's it's we've transcended that it's far more than that for us. It's a state of being. It is who we are. It's who we are as a couple as well as individuals. So it's life for us. You know, I refer to it as a lifestyle in order to make people understand what I'm talking about. But it's just it's just normative life for us. I like that. That was very profound. It just is. You know, when I think about it, I think about where we started. And I think about that middle ground, you know, kind of kind of the on the dough legs, not really sure what's happening. And then where we are today and the progression, I mean, it's just life. Like we're just living our lives. That's it. And taking what's thrown at us, which is usually fantastic. Yeah, and, <laughs> and not discounting any possibility. I think it would be really disingenuous to say, as we have in the past, oh, I can't imagine that happening. Or I don't ever see that happening. Or that can't possibly happen. We have been proven wrong many, many, many times. Yeah. Every time we've said that, it's been thrown back in our face. Yeah, it's so true. Literally every time. Yeah. So I just stopped saying it. I like that. Thank you for that wisdom. That's you something you welcome. and I haven't talked about, but I really liked it. So. That is, that's uh, my pearls of wisdom for the day. You're welcome. <laughs> 
All right, guys, if you want to discuss this topic with us one-on-one, I don't know if you know this or not, but we have coaching sessions and we love doing it. When I say we love doing it, I honestly believe it is my favorite thing in the entire world to do. We love talking to both couples and single people about their love lives, their sex lives, their non-monogamous journeys. (laughs) Or monogamous journeys for that matter. We've done a little bit of that as well. Yeah, absolutely. It is so fun for us. And uh, I hope that you'll reach out to us if you are looking for a little bit of advice or guidance. You can find all of the information on our coaching services at sexonyourterms.com. We do offer a free consultative call as well. So it's a good way to get that conversation started with us with no real commitment. So uh, head on over to sexonyourterms.com today. Also want to remind you guys, if you have topic suggestions for us, if you want to leave us some feedback on this episode or any other episode of Sex on Your terms, you can email us at sexonyourterms at gmail.com. We love hearing from you there. You can find us on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram at sexonyourterms. And that's what we have for you this week. So until next time, we hope you enjoy Sex on Your Terms.